Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Rev. Sarah Leonard talks to us about showing the love of God to the world. Say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Woohoo! Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, one of our own. I'm going to call her Sarah the Lion Leonard. The Lioness, rather. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's kind of a long story. If she chooses to share it with you, that's fine. But she is a lioness of God doing mighty things for the kingdom. Amen. Without further ado, Sarah, don't be nervous. You're going to knock it out of the park. Good morning. morning. (laughs) Okay, uh, I have no corny jokes for today. I saved that for Pastor Scott. I just um, wanted to take a few minutes to talk to you about um, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, this is not a how to use the gifts of the Spirit lesson. This is not a... um, Uh, proving that the Bible says that we should. This is not what that's about. This is about motive. Um, How many of y'all know that when Jesus was teaching the crowds, most of what he said was about the attitude of the heart? He would say, you've heard it said in the law, it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, love your enemy and bless those who curse you because his teaching was all about getting your heart right. He said, um, you've heard it said that um, whoever kills his brother, you know, that that's murder. But I say if you even hate your brother, that you've committed murder in your heart. So he was always talking about the heart, getting the heart right. And so I want to talk to you about the heart of God for seeing signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, We know it's commanded by him in Mark 16, right before he went to heaven. He told the disciples, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. So how, you know, if it is the last thing he said before he left the earth, it's probably something you want to pay attention to and listen. And this is, his desire for the church on the earth when he left it behind. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) How do we do that? We do that by faith. The Bible says the just live by faith. So we walk in faith every day. We're not doing this of our own ability. We're not doing that of our own ability. This is not the me show. This is not the Pastor Scott show. This is not the whatever insert name of famous minister show. This is about being the church of Jesus Christ on the earth and showing who he is to the world. So we do that by faith, not about us about God working through us. Um, Hebrews 10.38 says, The just shall live by faith. Jesus said to have faith in God, Mark 11.23. And um, he also said that if there's anything 
If you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you. That's John 14, 14. So we, we operate in faith. Um, but that faith doesn't work unless it's applied properly. So we apply it in love. Galatians 5, which is the next one. Galatians 5, 5. Um, for the, uh, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So um, I'll just back up and give kind of an overview. The book of Galatians um, talks a lot about the way the church should look. Loving, patient, kind, gentle, generous. He touches on a lot of those things in the book of Galatians. But the main theme is, hey, you don't have to do this on your own. This is not about works. We're not going back under the law. You don't have to go and get circumcised to prove how holy you are and to prove that you're a believer in Christ. You don't have to become a Jew to be a believer in Christ. Um, the, we operate under grace. So he, he spent the whole book of Galatians explaining how we don't have to be under the law. It's not about what we do. It's not about our works, our good works, or trying to be good, or trying to be nice, or trying to be gentle. It's about love. It's about letting our faith in Jesus work love through us. And so that's what this, I think, summarizes the theme. It's not about circumcision or uncircumcision. If you take that that out of there and say it's not about your holy good works or your Joe Average just getting along stuff. It's not about wearing pretty close to church on Sunday and minding your P's and Q's and always talking right or you know, coming in in your ripped jeans and your blue hair and your tattoos and speaking like you speak. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about letting your faith in God work through love. And that is the heart of God for the church. How can we show love? I think everyone kind of knows the answer. When you see someone in need, you help them. And so... Uh, we see someone hungry, we feed them. We see someone naked, we clothe them. We see someone hurting, we try to comfort them. We see someone, uh, you know, in a desperate situation, we tr do what we can to try and help them out of the desperate situation. If they're lonely, we try to be a friend. Um, we just see the need, meet the need, you know? See the need, meet the need. That's how we can show love to people around us. I think... Um, that's the way we do it in our families, right? We uh, we try to speak gently. We try to sh show uh, love to our family by uh, minding our tone, by being forgiving, by um, uh, notice paying attention to what's going on in their life and showing interest, by uh, you know just being a friend, being a confidant. Um, and then helping them out when they're in trouble, helping them meet needs, you know? And so it's the same thing uh, in the church because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's the same thing for the world because we are demonstrating who Jesus is on this earth. So we're demonstrating his love by showing that to the world. First um, John 3.16 through 18 says, by this, we know love. 
we know love because Jesus demonstrated it to us. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And I could, I have a whole sermon on what it means to lay down your life in love for someone else, but I will, that's not this sermon, so I won't go there. <laughs> we'll try and stay on track. <laughs> um, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You think about um, what Jesus did for us, you know, he laid down his life. It wasn't just the act of the cross, although that I'm not minimizing that by any means, but it was every day of his ministry. Every day of his ministry, he laid down his life for the church, for the world, for the people around him. Whoever was in hurting, in need, whoever was, um, you know, the people would call out his name and say, come help me, and he would go help them. You get the impression from reading the book of Mark that he never slept, (laughs) that he never had a moment to himself except for the minutes that he went on the mountaintop to pray and spend time with his father. Um, But other than that, it was like in the morning teaching the disciples, the multitude would throng him and he would heal the sick and then he would be traveling and they'd follow him. As he's traveling on the road, there are miracles happening because people are asking things of him. And then he sees them all there and they're all confused and there's a big mess. And so he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd, so I need to teach them. So he sits down and teaches them. And he gets to the city and then he gets attacked by the Pharisees. And so he starts trying to teach the Pharisees. And then as he's doing that, someone else comes and they're asking for, you know, a touch from God. And, you know, he just, every minute of his life was laying it down in service to others. And he never said, all right, well, I need a break, (laughs) y'all. I'm going to go eat and have some me time, and then I'll come back and look at your, you know, sick child or whatever. Thank God he didn't do that. And I think that he really desires us to be able to get to a place where we have such love and compassion for the people around us that we don't feel like saying that either. Um. So by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, both in his life and at his death, and we follow his example. Um, So verse 22 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You could talk about love all day long, and it sounds really pretty, but until you start putting it into action, that's when you activate your faith. That's when you activate your faith in God and your faith in his ability to work through you. Because love is hard and messy. Love is not simple. Love is not, you know, it's great when it works, (laughs) when it just comes natural. But when, you know, when you're hurting or when someone else is hurting or when you don't know how to help them or when there's friction, when there's problems, when you have to forgive, love gets messy. And, um... And so we love, not in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth, and that puts our faith into action, our faith in God, that he's going to work in that situation and show us how to love like he loves. Um, James 2, James two fifteen and 16 just reiterates 1 John 3. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, 
This is one of my favorite verses. Is this just, this is what the church should be doing. This is what the church should be doing every day. This is what the church should be doing in the world. This is what every missionary should be about, and I believe they are. Um, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? James did a lot of rhetorical questions, so that's a rhetorical question. It doesn't. (laughs) I'll answer it. Um, So when we see the need, we try to meet the need. But if you take Mark 16, which is what I started with, and connect it to that, when you see a need, you meet the need and show God's love. You see that he said to um, cast out demons, speak with tongues, um, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And that was what he wanted the church to do. So um, I will show you how Jesus was our example. I'll show you how he walked out signs and wonders, miracles, in a loving way. So we'll, bear with me as we go through some stories in the Gospels here. Uh, the first one is Matthew nine thirty five. Um, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He just um, saw them all, hurting, sick, confused, lost, both in teaching and in healing. He saw the need, and he met the need. He was moved with compassion, and um, everywhere he went, he did things for them out of compassion. Um, In uh, Luke 7, Luke seven twelve through 15, um, he raised the dead out of compassion. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, and the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he, was pre- and he presented him to his mother. We just imagine if we saw someone grieving and mourning a loss of a loved one and went up to the coffin and laid hands on them and raised them back to life. And not so that I could go around and saying, look at me, I raised the dead. Or not so that we could say, look at what a cool miracle God did. I mean, we could say that too. There's nothing wrong with that. But just because we have compassion for the hurting, that we would say, God, what if you could do something amazing here? Maybe I'm just going to step out in faith, listen to the Holy Spirit, and be obedient, and go raise the dead out of compassion for the people. 
not because we've got to see, you know, great signs and wonders, that's cool, but because we love people, because we have God's love for people. Um, and then in Matthew 14, 14 through 21, um, he healed the sick and he fed people. So here's a, uh, a supernatural a gift as well as physical needs met he met both you know supernaturally healed the sick and fed 5,000 people but he also met physical needs out of compassion here so and when Jesus went out he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick and when it was evening so you take note of this it was evening. He was there all day long healing the sick. Never took a break. Because why? He had compassion for them. And he did it for such a long time that by the time he was done healing the sick, it was so late they couldn't get back to where they were going. So you know that then he fed them out of compassion too because he felt bad for them being out so late. So it says... And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they can go to the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, I've heard this story taught a lot of times. And um, usually they focus on this Jesus waiting to see what the disciples are going to do with that. You give them something to eat to see, kind of see where their faith is. But I'm telling you, they don't need to go away is a statement of compassion. Because the disciples were thinking practically. Practically, it's late. There are people still here waiting for a touch from God in multitudes. So, Jesus, you're just going to have to put your foot down and say, enough, time to go. Send them away so they can find something to eat. And he said, they don't need to go. Because he loved them. He wanted to see their needs met. So he fed them. Um, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. What a cool thing. And it would be really cool to see that happen, I'm not going to lie. That would be so cool. But it's even better that he did it out of love, you know? So think about each individual testimony of 5,000 men, women, and children that walked away from there with a story about how this man who loved them, who gave them, who met their needs, who found them in a moment of hurting and suffering and met their needs and fed them on top of it, you know? Um, Mark 9, verse 20, he casts out demons. I think um, in our culture in America, the talking about demonic influence and demon possession is kind of like, woo, you know, funky. 
you think of like a horror movie with some kind of exorcist or something. And I think that's generally what comes to people's minds first when they think about uh, talking about demons and spirits. Um, but what if we looked at it different? What if we looked at that as someone who's being tormented, who's oppressed, who is, um, you know, under the influence of the devil and wants to be set free, who needs freedom from that bondage that they're in, slavery, oppression, torment, and, and had compassion on them and met them in their need and cast the demon out because we have authority to do that because God gave us his authority to do that. In Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow them who believe. They will cast out demons. So uh, Mark 9, verse 20. Then they brought him to him. The, actually, Jesus, this was one of those moments where Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees, trying to set them straight, and they just you know, were trying to catch him up in his words. And as he was doing that, this giant crowd surrounded them. were just listening to this debate going on. And this man comes pushing through the crowd, trying to get to Jesus. And he asks Jesus, will you please come and take care of my son? I've asked your disciples to do it, and they couldn't do anything for him. So Jesus said, bring him. So they brought him to him. This is the man's son. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Isn't that just like the devil? He's like, you think you can get the best of me? I'm going to prove to you that you can't. So he puts on a big show, a big show to make himself look big and awesome and powerful. And Jesus just was calm just calm because he knew he had the authority over that he didn't have to get loud and crazy with the devil he didn't have to you know also get on the ground and scream in his face like unfortunately I've seen some ministers feel like they have to do he just took authority okay so he asked his father how long has this been happening to him and he said from childhood and often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now here's a really great example of faith working in love. Faith and compassion working together. So he's asking the Lord for compassion and the Lord is asking him for faith. And um, immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he rose. Well, you just see him looking at the father who's got tears running down his face and looking at the boy who is being tormented, and, and the devil's trying to kill him, throwing him into the wire, water and into the fire. He's trying to kill him. But Jesus just looked at that situation and had compassion and set the man free. And then 
set him free, but then just leave him there lying on the ground, lifted him up. And isn't that what he does for us? He sets us free from our bondage, and then he lifts us up out of the miry clay and sets our feet on the rock, the rock of salvation. You know, we have a firm foundation in him. So that's what he wants us to lead other people into. Tell them about the Lord. Lead them into salvation. Help them get set free from that bondage. If there's a demon, go ahead and cast it out. Just set them, help them get set free through the power of the Holy Spirit. Help them get set free. And we do it out of love, just like Jesus did. Since Jesus demonstrated compassion by meeting people's needs through signs and wonders and miracles, we can do that too. He is our example after all. Christian means like Christ. We want to be like Christ. And he told us in John, these things that I'm doing, you'll do also and even greater. So it's not like we're saying that uh, it's not an arrogant thing to ask God to move supernaturally on the behalf of someone else. It's a compassionate thing, and it's an obedience thing. It's, it's obedience to the word of God. It's obedience to the mandate of Mark 16. Um, it's not arrogance to say, I want to see great signs, wonders, and miracles. And it's not uh, too big a thing to ask for our mighty God. <laughs> he went around for three years doing it, but he told us we would see greater things happen. And I believe that. I believe that. In 1 Corinthians um, chapter 13, which is the love chapter, it's always um, quoted at weddings and, and for good reason, for good reason. Um, but the reason Paul wrote that was to explain to the Corinthian church that they were trying to... The one person was speaking in tongues and they were all speaking in tongues at once because they were all trying to get the recognition. One person was prophesying and they would all come to prophesy because they were all trying to get the rec recognition. They were all fighting with each other to see who had the best signs and wonders, who had the best spiritual gifts. And so he wrote 12, 13, and 14, chapter 12, 13, 14, as a correction. Okay, it's not wrong to desire the best gifts, but how are you doing it? Are you doing it in love or are you doing it um, in pride and in boasting and trying to get your own way in um, seeking your own glory? And I think really that's the heart of that church. They were all trying to see who could get the best gifts because they wanted to see how awesome they were. Look how God gifted me. I have the best spiritual gifts. And um, he was saying, if you're not doing it in love, then you might as well just not even do it. You might as well just not even bother with the spiritual gifts if you're not going to use them in love. Because that's how he intended them to be used, because his heart is love and compassion. And the people that he met when Jesus walked the earth, the people that he met, that he ministered to, and I believe even those hard-headed, stubborn mule Pharisees, he spoke to them and took the time to argue with them out of compassion for them, hoping that he could get through to one of them, that he could help them to see that they had stinking thinking, they needed to get it straight, you know? So uh, 
the point of the spiritual gifts is to minister to others. It's, it's a gift God gave us. He blesses us with so that we can use that to go out and minister to others, meet their needs, to help the hurting, to uh, win the loss to Christ, and to show his love. And First um, Corinthians twelve seven really says that. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For the profit of all. So if you have a prophecy to give, like Shakira did, and it was awesome, but if you have a prophecy to give and you're doing it with an attitude of, look how cool I am, <laughs> or look how amazing and powerful I am, then you're doing it wrong. It is for the profit of all. And so I just want to challenge you to, to consider your motive when you're getting up to minister. Uh, consider your motive when you're going out to minister. In your community, in your workplace, in your school, and wherever it is that you find yourself on a day-to-day -day basis, consider your motive. And I would say that from both sides, not just from a boasting and an arrogant side like the Corinthian church was having, but maybe from a fearful side as well. If you're afraid to step out and use the gift to the Spirit like God has given to you to use them because you're afraid that you'll look foolish or that it might not work or that, um, you know, they might think you're crazy, consider if you would do it anyways because you love them and you have compassion on their situation. Consider if you would have the love for them that God has for them, would you then be willing to look foolish to help meet their need? Because God has what they need. God has what they need, and he gave you the power and authority to execute that, right? So if you were to overlook your own fear or worry or shame or whatever it is from your past or your insecurity, and say, I love this person. I love them with the love that God has for them, and he wants to see them set free. Would you not then put your own reputation on the line? It's not really yours, it's God's anyway, because it's him who's doing the work. But would you not be willing to look foolish for a minute to see someone set free? Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. So you see, uh, they're all by the same spirit, and they're all given for the profit of all. So each one in the moment that is needed, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, um, gift of faith, uh, healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues and interpretation of those, each one in the moment that that is needed is going to minister life to the person you're ministering it to. And if you could just open your heart up to that and say, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to use me because it will benefit this other person. It will benefit them 
if I would just be obedient, I may not even see how it's going to benefit them. I might not even understand what it means, the word of knowledge that I've got or the word of wisdom that God gave me. I may not understand what this prophecy means. It may be gibberish to me, but I know that I trust the almighty God, number one, and number two, I know that he loves this person and wants me to minister his love to them. Um, prophecy two is intended to benefit our brothers and sisters in Christ. The first Corinthians 14, one says, pursue love, desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And then in verse three, it says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want to be able to... Have you ever tried to counsel somebody who came to you for help and you just were heartbroken for them and you didn't know what to say? You were at a loss for words. There were no right words to say. How could you know how to comfort them in their grief and their sorrow? or their, you know, frustration, or the, you know, whatever it was, you just did not know what to say. That's what prophecy is for. It's for edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So prophecy is intended for those who are in the faith, who are believers, and we speak, we hear from God, and we speak those words of life, of edification, of exhortation, and of comfort to our brothers and sisters in Christ to lift them up in that moment when we don't have the words to say. We don't have the words to say, but thank God he gave us the Holy Spirit inside of us who does have the words to say, who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, and he makes intercession for the saints. So we let that Holy Spirit who knows what all the hearts are and knows what the heart of the Father is speak the words of life that you don't have. But that's what the the purpose of prophecy is it's compassion. It's God's compassion for the church to meet them in their need and fill their heart with his love and compassion. So the mandate in Mark 16, that was given to the church because that's how Jesus intended the church to operate. He never intended it to be the ministers, the leaders, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, or the traveling evangelist in the tent is the only one that can pray for people and see them healed or cast out demons. Never intended it that way. He intended every one of us to be ministers of the gospel in our situation, in our work, in our school, in our church, in the grocery store, in... Where else do we go normal? The beach, the restaurant... I don't know, wherever you find yourself on a day-to-day basis, the place you volunteer, the place you spend your time, the people that you're with, he intends us to use the gifts of the Spirit to help encourage, edify, exhort, comfort, to teach, to give wisdom, to give um, healing, to give uh, liberty to the captives, to set people free. And... um, And he gave us the ability to do that. So each and every one of us, can you imagine if each 
person who is a member of the church, each person who is a member of the body of Christ, did that, what an impact we would have on the world. If we weren't just waiting for the pastors and the evangelists and the leaders of the church to to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but we went out and said, God, however, however you want to use me, that's how I want to be used. If that's, you know, regular everyday stuff or if that's supernatural stuff, I want to be open to that and I want to be a vessel that has compassion overflowing and pouring out to the people around me, his compassion inside of me pouring out to the people around me. If we could all pray that prayer. (laughs) You wake up in the morning, all right, good morning, Lord. How can I be used by you today? Help me to have compassion for the people around me. And if that means casting out a demon today, I'm open to that. And if that means doing mundane work and then having a moment to speak words of life and encouragement to a brother or sister, I'm open to that. And if that means, um, you know, walking in love, showing forgiveness, showing kindness, showing gentleness, showing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, if it means doing that, Help me to do that by your Holy Spirit, too, because sometimes we need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk out those gifts of the Spirit. Patience is a lot harder than it sounds. (laughs) Um, Kindness and gentleness sometimes is easy and sometimes it's not. And so um, if we could just each morning wake up and say, God, I want my attitude to be right. I want to have compassion and love. I want to pour that out to the people around us then I think we'd be doing it right. It just If we could get the whole church to do that, not this church, but the, the whole church, the body of Christ on the world, to do that, what an impact we'd make. Um, Jesus was all about love. And so what good is the power of the Holy Spirit if it's being used in a selfish or a haughty manner? At the very least, it doesn't show off the heart of God towards the people on this earth. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, here's the love chapter. Here we go. Uh, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I've become brass or a clanging cymbal. Just noise, just noise. (laughs) Um, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, wouldn't that be wonderful? And though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Well, Cynthia's always harping on this because she does the vigilant hope thing. And uh, <laughs> she's shaking her head. No, why'd you call on me? <laughs> um, she's always saying, don't come and feed the hungry if you're not going to love them. Don't come and, and give clothes if you're not going to love on the people. They just want your love anyways. They, it's not about the food and the clothes. It's about love. And, and uh, I think she's, she's got something there. First um, Corinthians thirteen thirteen says, And now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest, these three, but the greatest of these is love. 
And he says that at the end of chapter 13. And then chapter 14, he goes right into pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. See the connection? The connection is there. It's the heart of God. Jesus did it. He went everywhere showing compassion. And he commanded us to do it. He commanded us. He said, wait here, Acts, in Acts 1, he said, wait here until you have been given power from the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of the Father to you. And then what happened next? Peter went and preached to people, and they got saved, brought into the kingdom, set free. And then they went to the temple, and there was a lame man, and he healed them. Why? Out of compassion. Because they waited on the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they poured out God's love for the people around them. So I encourage you all to do the same. He's giving me cues, and I'm not picking up on it. Hallelujah. Actually, uh, I wanted to share a testimony that I thought would, uh, you know, cap this off rather nicely uh, of how that the gifts of the spirit operate by love. And many times they're motivated by compassion. Uh, years ago, when I was still flying for the Marines and Trisha and I were stationed in Corpus Christi, uh, we had a Bible study in our home on base every Saturday night. And people from off base and on base came. We usually had about 15 people. There was a young lady that worked at the headquarters with me. She was a Navy yeoman. I was a Marine captain. And uh, we struck up a friendship because um, she knew I was a believer and I knew she was a believer. She was a Baptist young lady. And we just kind of had chats from time to time in the break room and whatnot. And I always shared with her that I believe that Jesus saves and Jesus heals. You know, same power that saves you can heal your body. And it was kind of a new message to her. Uh, but she was uh, open to it. And so... Uh, every chance I could, I would impart that into her, and we'd have nice discussions about, you know, how much Jesus loves us. And um, then for about three, four weeks, I noticed that she, I never saw her at the headquarters anymore. And I thought, I'm used to seeing her three, four, five times a day. What happened to this young lady? Well, Saturday uh, of one of the nights that we were preparing to have Bible study, I get a phone call from this young Navy yeoman. She said, Captain Forrest, this is uh, Yeoman Smith. I have long since forgotten her name, but uh, she said, I need your help. And she started describing to me, she said, they say I've got MS. And then she burst into tears. I've already lost the use of my right leg. I'm already blind in my right eye and the other one's going fast. I have an infant child that I'm taking care of, and my husband's in the Navy, too. He's deployed on a destroyer halfway around the world. My sister's here just to take care of the baby because I can't take care of my own baby. Can Jesus do something for me? I will never forget that moment. I was on the phone one of the old style phones with the long cord, you know, that hung up on the wall. And I remember standing there and something like a cloak came over me, hit my head and shoulders. And there was this, this anger at the devil for attacking this young woman while her husband's on deployment. But there was also this supernatural compassion. I just, it just rose up on the inside of me. And so before I knew what I was saying, I said to her, 
You get your sister to drive you over to our address, MOQ 19-2, Married Officers Quarters 19-2. You get her to drive you over here. We're going to lay hands on you, and God is going to heal you of this MS. And it was born of compassion. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was my first experience with special gift of faith. Ordinarily, I was not operating in a level of faith that would say to somebody with MS that was already in a wheelchair, already half blind, we're going to heal you tonight. But it just came on me. It was a gift of faith. I remember hanging up the phone and then the anointing lifted. And then, of course, I said, what did I just say? Oh, Lord. And then the Lord spoke to me, said, this is of me. This is this is something that, you know, I have initiated. It'll be all right. So I just told my wife, I said, Yeoman Smith's coming over tonight. We're going to lay hands on her. She said, "Okay." well, long story short, you know, she came. Her sister brought her. She was in a wheelchair. She wheeled her in. She sat in the little uh, sunroom where we had our Bible study. And uh, at the end, I just got out a vial of oil. Uh, I made a little cross on her head and we all prayed for I put my hand on her head and I rebuked MS in the name of Jesus now nothing happened in the natural immediately but I knew in my spirit she was healed I just knew that I knew a couple weeks later they sent her up to uh, Williford Hall which was the main Air Force Hospital in San Antonio to run some tests and see what they could do to help her so I hadn't heard from her for like three or four weeks. So I said to my supervisor, I said, what happened to Yeoman Smith? Well, she's still up at Williford Hall. So I finagled. I got a T-34. I checked it out from the dispatch. I said, I need to fly up to San Antonio. Is there an uh, aircraft that's not on the schedule? I was an instructor in the T-34. Normally they didn't, you know, let people take a T-34 unless they had a student and then they were earning, you know, student hours. But I said, I've got to get to San Antonio. He said, it just happens. We got one T-34 not being used on the schedule. So I got down, cranked up the aircraft, flew up to San Antonio, landed, called a um, base taxi, got a ride over to Williford Hall, went up to the floor where she was uh, staying, went to the ward nurse, and I said, which room is Yeoman Smith in? She said, oh, she's not here. She's She's gone. I thought for a second, my heart sank. I thought, oh, what? And she saw the look on my face. She said, oh, no, 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 no. It's not like that. We've had her here for over two weeks. We've run every test we know to run on MS, and she's completely free of MS. Her eyesight is back to 2020. She's got the use of her leg back. She's completely restored. Praise God. Gift of faith motivated by compassion. Amen. Just one example. Amen. And and I wasn't in full-time ministry. I'm flying for the Marines. You know, I went to church. I was born again. I was spirit-filled. And, you know, I did those things by faith as a believer. It's not just the superstar evangelists or the preachers that are going to be doing this in this next wave that's upon us. It's going to be believers. And I call them believing believers. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. There's a lot of unbelieving believers out there. They believe only so far, but they won't believe everything that Jesus said. Amen. Hallelujah.
We hope you enjoyed today's message, Showing the Love of God to the World. If you would like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <music>